I want to welcome all of our listeners to another episode of the Elor, where every leader shares how their own experience has shaped them to be who they are and influence the work that they do. The Elor is a storytelling platform which unites leaders, changemakers, and passionates, allowing them to share their motives, their motivations, and inspirations with the community. We, along with our listeners and guests, hope to bring together our communities by creating spaces where we can engage in active and creative dialogue. My name is Mubin, and I am one half of the Elor, every leader's own real experience. Since this is the first episode after a long hiatus, about three to four months, which we apologize for, which we can talk about later on, um, I also want to thank Ramisa uh, from Fusion Radio and the Fusion Radio team for allowing the student initiatives to flourish and the Elor to kind of be a part of that. Um, I want to share today's episode. I want to start today's episode with a quote that I read online um, that I'd also like to share with the listeners. And it goes like this. If you always put limit on everything you do, physical or anything else, it will spread into your work and into your life. There are no limits. There are only plateaus. And you must not stay there. You must go beyond them. And that famous quote was said by none other than Bruce Lee. Sometimes we limit ourselves from engaging in activities and or thoughts due to societal norms or even self-doubt. But that is us. We do that to ourselves. We control our limits. Let us remove those limits and aim for the stars and perhaps even go beyond the stars. So now that was in enough of the intro. And I kind of want to introduce our guest for today. And today in the studio, um, I want to start by saying I have a very creative curious and committed individual who goes by the name of Ali Javed. Ali is a student and a psychology enthusiast. He's a photographer and a journalist for the University of Toronto Scarborough magazine, The Underground. He is much more than what I have described to you, and I will let him do justice to that and explain who he is and the work that he does. But I want to start by saying what's good. Yo, I'm good, man. <laughs> How's everything? Everything's good? Are you excited good. for this? I'm excited, you know. I heard about this. I've seen it on social media. Um, and uh, I'm glad that you invited me here to be a part of it. Sweet. Um, I think I think you're a part of a bigger scene. I think as a as who you are and the things that you do, um, you're you're like the eyes for a lot of the people who can't be in places that they want to be in. Right. right. As a journalist you do that. As a photographer you do that. You capture memories, you capture moments. Um, and those last for a long time. And you do that. And there's something that's really cool about you that I haven't like seen in another journalist, for instance, that I've talked with, because um, I'm limited limited to that, um, <laughs> is that you don't only do photography, but you, which is kind of like the art form, which is kind of like you capturing a moment, right. but you write about them and write about them too. Yeah. Right. You don't only stay limited to that zone. So kind of share to the listeners who you are that I kind of missed out on. <laughs> I think you did a good uh, summary of synopsis. That. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm you know, I'm really interested in photography, of course. Um, that's been like an intrinsic passion that I've been pursuing for, you know, a large part of my life. Um, I first, you know, grinded one summer. I was like mm -hmm. cutting lawns, right? And then I saved up for my first camera. Um, what, what, what camera was that? The Nikon D3100. Mm -hmm. um, the only reason why I bought it was because it was the cheapest. Uh -huh. um, and I just wanted to get into that scene of DSLR photography. Um, I was always interested in media and film. Um, and of course, my heart also lied in science, right, in psychology. Mm -hmm. um, and I've found that, you know, both of those paths intersect uh, through human behavior, right? Psychology and photography are both um, documenting and understanding the human condition. And uh, I've always been interested in human behavior as well. And so right now, kind of where I'm at, 
uh, I'm really satisfied because I'm able to, you know, understand the way that people's uh, behavior changes in an environment through social psychology, right? Which is what I want, what I want to specialize in, mm-hmm. um, and through photography, being able to document how uh, people behave at protests uh, for reasons that they're there, mm-hmm. effects of authority on people's behavior, and things like that. Wow. So that's a lot. And I think there's one common theme that I pull out of that conversation or whatever you just said, and that was intersectionality. I think you're trying to find that good intersection between psychology, which is like your academic field and journalism and photography, which is like your hobby and your passion. So now the goal like or the drive becomes how do I kind of unite those two and kind of find my unique zone? Absolutely. And I think that's what makes you an expert in what you do in the zone that you're (laughs) in. Right. And, And it's only growth from here. Right? It's only growth because because so. now you're just in university. You're trying to get it done, uh, obtain that degree. But sometimes that degree for a lot of people doesn't even come into use. But it's how they intersected both that puts them into a field that doesn't even is of out course. there. Do you know of what course, I mean? Yeah, um, it's definitely I've I only realized this intersection later in life. Like I said, right, like I thought that the arts and the sciences were two, you know, two sides of a coin. Mm-hmm. I felt like they weren't uh, able to attach to each other. But in reality, like as long as you're interested in passions, you can pull them together in, in some sort of ways. Like uh, I was on Twitter and I found, uh, I can't remember the user off the top of my head, mm-hmm. but he's a photographer, but he's also like a neuroscientist. And he, he integrates art of photography in you know, capturing pictures of the brain and different neurons. Um, and he was like recently completing his PhD and he was uh, uh, finding the way that synapses react in like baby neurons and he just posted the like gif or the gif on twitter mm. right and i was like this is so simple but it's so beautiful and it allows someone to express their passions um in a way that it can reach out to other people through social media but like you can also satisfy that creative side of yourself and like the analytical side of yourself that also makes you yeah. innovative absolutely right because it's something that's new and i and something that an emotion that i felt while we were talking about that and i've talked about this pre in previous episode and it's there's this one specific thing that really connects all of us and it's emotion, mm-hmm. right? If there's nothing else in this world but a story yep. or a visual that kind of touches one person, there's a high probability that it touches another and sure. then it touches another and it touches another. So that creates like this community of kind of relative emotions, mm-hmm. right? And and e- sometimes you might be a Republican and I might be a Democratic, yeah. but if I see a picture that is kind of just affects all of us then we both are just do you know what i mean yes what i'm trying to say about that so i think that's very interesting that you say that um as a journalist um and how what type of journalist would you consider yourself as um so i'm interested in photojournalism Mm -hmm. of course and um as a as a service to the campus i'm also part of the underground the student publication Mm -hmm. um and so through the underground we cover mostly campus issues Mm -hmm. um and you know scrutinizing and looking close at uh, things that happen on campus, of course. Um, and then as a photojournalist, I like to focus on the city. Um, the most active, um, I would say, like protests and demonstrations that I've seen are, have been anti-fascists. Um, Toronto does have a white supremacy community. Um, and if they don't exist within Toronto, they come to Toronto to organize, um, as it is a big city, and that's where they can get their platform. And so... Um, I, whenever I'm out in the city, I'm, I'm capturing these protests and these demonstrations. I've been to uh, Idle No More. They did a demonstration at Young and Dundas, which is mm-hmm. an indigenous group. Um, I've seen uh, Palestinian groups come out, uh, workers' rights, and, of course, anti-fascists, as I mentioned before. Um, so so 
it's really between the city and in the campus. Uh, and uh, mostly what happens in the city doesn't necessarily intersect with the campus, mm-hmm. but it allows me to demonstrate different sides of myself, um, criticizing different systems. As a journalist, now, because sometimes I get confused, right? So sometimes there's two sides to everything, and mm-hmm. there can, uh, sorry to be binary, there could be multiple sides to one thing, right? They can, yeah. not necessarily two. Yeah. But as a journalist, how do you kind of use every, so the events that you go to, for instance, and yep. the photographs that you take, they're obviously one-sided or from one perspective mm-hmm. of this of this major issue, yep. right? Um, how do you try to display that through visual or writing to kind of demonstrate a neutral view of it? Do you know what I mean? Because yep. sometimes what happens is that when you're portraying something, mm-hmm. um, either it'd be a campus or it'd be a, like a local community Toronto thing yep. or and, and the heights go higher, but yep. how do you kind of manage to kind of formulate something mm-hmm. that's very... First, it's educational in the sense that it it advises the audience mm-hmm. of what the issue is. Yep. Then, kind of demonstrates your side to it. Absolutely. And how it might be affecting others. Of course, um, I think the the number one you know issue, I guess, or the number one motivation of a journalist should be to find relevant you know problems and things that people don't know about, and like you said, bring them to the forefront for, pe- for people to understand. Um, and I don't think the 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 job of a journalist is to be a hundred percent neutral. Because they should be telling people like what's right and what's wrong as well on a certain level, right? Like but you, that's dependent on your outlook, of course. And yeah. that's why you have various yeah. media media outlets, mm-hmm. right? You have like various politically uh, various outlets on the political spectrum, mm-hmm. right? And that's why people also have the choice. Like we don't have a state media that we receive our information from. Everyone mm-hmm. has the access to free information, right? Free uh, media to yeah, free media, quote unquote, right? Um, and so, honestly, I think. You can do your job uh, of like provide uh, sorry of following like journalistic ethics of looking at both sides, and you can report on both sides. But being a person like in the situation, right? Being at the protest, being in the board meeting, you see things that you can't fit in your two hundred and fifty word article, mm-hmm. right? You see things you can't capture in a one like eight and a half by eleven photograph, yeah, right? So it's this sort of learning this sort of information of being there of like smelling like i've smelled the smoke bomb right i was yeah. at an anti-fascist protest at uh, in mel Aspen square mm-hmm. and we're just in a gra- we're just in a group and you know things are bustling things are getting loud the police are closing in someone pops off a smoke bomb mm-hmm. and like in my experience i've never you know of experienced the smoke bomb of, of course. course like i have the privilege of that right and like i went in to go take a photograph and then i obviously breathed in and i started choking up and i'm like oh my god like this is things that that it, it, you can try to describe the feeling of like you know smoke entering into like your nasal passages and that like crinkling feeling in uh in your eyes and in your mouth right and then you know that fear that you get Right. And then having to run away, but run away to where? Because like you're a journalist by yourself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you can't show up to these things. Like I don't show up to these things necessarily in support of a certain side. Right. But being a journalist of color automatically at these anti-fascist protests, you get uh, grouped into one side. Mm-hmm. Right. The police treat you a certain way. Right. When you look as a person of color and then all of a sudden you're moving back and forth. Like I can't tell you the amount of times that police have told me, like, pick a side and stay there. Right. They've really? said that. Yes, of course, because they're trying to stop people from moving back and forth. Right. But how do you not understand that a person with a camera is trying to document what's going on? Mm-hmm. You know why? Because they want you to be confined to the edges so that when they're doing things that they don't want to be seen. Right. You're not there for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so uh, it's important to like uh, 
manage yourself like because i'm i'm not a neutral person when people view me yeah right and like i'm also tall like i'm big yeah right and that affords me a privilege i'm a man that affords me a privilege but i'm also a person of color um and so being able to freely talk to people who are anti-fascist on the far left is not something i can do uh, to get the opinions of someone on the far right, a white supremacist, right? I've had, like, uh, at one of my first rallies, the same one at Mel Lastman Square, I was moving back and forth, and I was trying to understand the reasons of why these white supremacists would feel uh, comfortable to come out to demonstrate, especially in Toronto, an extremely diverse city. Um, and the first thing one of the guys said to me, he was like, aren't you on the wrong side? That's what he said to really? me. Yeah, and I was like, I held up my camera, and I was like, nope, I'm just here to take pictures, right? And then he was like, oh, hi, my name's blank. And I, ha- I was like, <laughs> uh. So his, his like, idea, like, 360, yeah. like. No, no, but, but they're asking my name because they want to identify me. You understand that? Uh, so I gave him a fake name. Yeah. I was, I was like, hey, my name's, like, Jonathan or something. Yeah. I said something. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah. Derek or something, right? Yeah. And I shook his hand. But it was, it's like. To describe these these men, right? So um, they were there's the collection of uh, proud boys, mm-hmm. right? Uh, three percenters, sons of Odin, um, and um, these these can these are all like white supremacist organizations that exist in the U.S. and they're filtering into into uh, Canada. Mm-hmm. But Pegida is a very um, uh, common, well-known one in Toronto. Uh, they're a German group. Uh, they stand against. Mm -hmm. Sorry, they stand for anti-Islamization of the West. Okay, so they create words while they're at it too. Exactly, exactly. And (laughs) that's what the rally was. And they they serve almost as a magnet for these white supremacists. Because these other organizations that I mentioned before, like the Three Percenters, the Proud Boys, they don't have, and the Sons of Odin, they don't have very much members. They don't have a strong membership in Toronto. But Pegida, they, um, they actively work to organize every month. Right, and they hold these rallies, and they almost acts like a little salad where they collect like oh, a little white supremacist mm-hmm. from this organization mm-hmm. from there, right? Um, and the anti-fascists, if you come out, you you can see the diversity, right? And like you can you can see the the depth of the ages of people, of their backgrounds, um, of you know socioeconomic statuses. If you look to the far right, it's a very much just these old to middle-aged white men. Right. And, you know, they're all holding Canadian flags they are all yelling these slurs. But mm-hmm. and they come out uh, in the uh, in the motivation of patriotism, mm-hmm. at least. Right. But, you know, people of color can still love Canada. Right. Yeah. And, and Muslims can still love Canada. It's that doesn't go against your kind of identity. And I forgot what the original question is. I'm kind of going. No, no, on no, a that's, tangent. that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> no, this, this speaks volumes because, yeah. you know, not everyone attends these things. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. some people are genuinely scared that they will get hurt, right? Their life could be at risk. Right. And you take those chances as, and it might not be as Ali, but it might be as Ali the journalist who's trying to document things for the public. Right. For those who possibly cannot attend or do not want to attend because right. they might feel their life is at risk. Yeah. So I think you're doing due diligence when you, when you go to these events and you kind of, sacrifice yourself for that moment to kind of document things so you can provide it to the greater public right right and and it's not only for the greater public but it's specifically for the marginalized populations yep. right populations at risk who are vulnerable to attacks by white supremacists yep right so you do that's that's something that's huge um and i kind of want to like take a step down and kind of sure. like create a more like 
open open environment but <laughs> i, I want to kind of say um like i said i'm not no, i can't no. be unbiased <laughs> that, that's dope from that's these dope. experiences that's yeah. dope man um as a journalist and i think this is a very like i'm i'm interested i'm excited to see where this conversation goes but yep. what do you think and i'm going to be very vague you sure. can talk about anything international communal local sure. anything um what will finally break the internet what will break the internet honestly mm-hmm. i think of yemen mm-hmm. and i think of syria right and i think of uh you know these children for example like i think it was a syrian boy who was found on the beach yeah right that that spoke volumes and it was just that picture and and this is this is cool that you brought that up because we talked about this um a couple of episodes ago yeah but i'd love to take your view on it and and to see where this goes but that was a visual yeah and it literally broke the internet Mm -hmm. right and and it was the emotion of feeling that kind of took it over yeah right people started on twitter i remember like so many retweets likes and Mm -hmm. kind of just like like sharing oh my god this is happening and it went on and on and on yep what do you got to say about that you know, if I'm if I'm gonna analyze this from like a novel perspective, mm-hmm. right? As a photographer, this is it, it, like compositionally, this was a very simple image, right? And this was very much an image that was taken in the moment and it was taken raw, right? And it was taken from the photographer's perspective, mm-hmm. right? Um, if someone wanted to do like a quote-unquote unbiased view, right? They might capture like this boy. But then they might also capture, you know, a ride or something or take a take a larger picture and it would become less impactful. Right. So it's important to focus on these like singular messages. Um, I think it's heartbreaking. Absolutely. Like from the like the human perspective, of course, like to to see a boy on a beach. Right. But to still have the courage to take that photograph because you in that moment, like you said, you need to sacrifice, uh, you know, your time. And I guess that gut feeling of either wanting to run to help or wanting to run away, right? And staying in that moment. Like what I do is not, I don't think can be equated to these international journalists. Of course, you but you're doing I mean? something that's at a community level, yeah. right? And, and I always believe in, I have always believed in, in microcosm mm-hmm. effects that kind of leak into these macrocosm like True. events. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like something that's really small can then domino effect into becoming something that's much bigger. Very true. So what you do here is like, even though it's just Toronto, you can't say that it's mm-hmm. something that you can't go up to international because right. what you do now is something that when someone sees this, it's they're going to spread it and they're going to spread it. And it goes further and further and further, right? Yeah. And that's how I think the world works. Do you know what I mean? Sure. If, if we don't as local, like local, I, like heroes might be a very like broad patriotic term Mm -hmm. but but i don't like if we don't as do and on top of that we're students yeah right we're not we're not we're not even like professionals exactly so taking all that into consideration the fact that if we don't place foot on issues that really matter in this world at a macro level and we don't kind of take action at communal levels like like and even in, in academic spheres, mm-hmm. then th- they're not going to go anywhere, and they're going to get true. worse. Very true. Yep. Right. And what and something that's really like, for me, I really feel this, mm-hmm. and it's and it's the acceptance of Aboriginal elders in our community. Yes. Yes. Indigenous elders and indigenous and ways of take, knowing. Take take this in. Take yeah. this in. Like it, I just I was just in a class like a couple of days ago, and we were talking about uh, Native Americans, mm-hmm. um, and we were talking about a specific Native American group that experienced massacre and genocide 
about a century ago. Okay. Right? And their population went from one, 1. 1.4 million mm-hmm. Native Americans to like 300. Oh my. God. Within 100 years. Yeah. Because of massacre, genocide. Um, and this is in America. Mm-hmm. Right? And to be honest, do we hear about Native Americans in, in the media? Right. We, we hear about the, the, the black and white America, mm-hmm. right? And the conflicts that are happening between um, African Americans mm-hmm. and the Caucasian Americans. Mm-hmm. But we never hear about Native Americans. Mm-hmm. And so that makes me question, are like, what's happening with them? It's right? true. And not to say that, yes, we have to acknowledge that the issue is there, yep. right? But I want to say that at least Canada's m- talking about the Aboriginal peoples. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. We we should be working harder, but mm-hmm. we're working towards it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The Truth and Re- Reconciliation Reconciliation Act was something, right? It might not be the best, right? But it was something to take steps. Right. What's happening around the world to Indigenous communities? Yep. Yep. It's true. Even right? in like South America, you know, Indigenous people are being massacred. They're being pushed out out of racism, as well. Like even if it's not on like that, you know live or die kind of level there's like that social you know alienation that goes on that can be traumatizing to individuals and cause them to you know not carry their culture forward Inter- intergenerational yep. trauma yep. it's a thing i i totally believe it's a thing yep right and like it happens to anyone and it can happen to anyone yep right like if my mom went through a lot of issues when she was younger yep um w- and with that stress and tension it mm-hmm. went into like it can it can have a biological consequence yep. which can then lead on to her offspring yep right and and so it's a real thing that people need to take in consideration like this is very sensitive but residential schools had an intergenerational effect in yep. a lot of the kids who are indigenous today absolutely right yep. and so but i want to bring this to like even like a micro level mm-hmm. and the fact that indigenous elders in our cam- on our campus yep right to this date like our indigenous elder for our utsc campus doesn't have a room very true yeah, that's they disrespectful. Don't have a sp- this they don't is have their a space. land. You know what I mean? Yeah. They don't have a space for st- other, perhaps other indigenous or non-indigenous peoples to kind of go and talk to them. They yep. don't have a room. They share a room. Okay. Well, do you know, like, with who? <laughs> yeah. Right? So that's problematic. Mm-hmm. It is, indeed. That's very problematic. Yeah. And so if we, as in students who recognize that, mm-hmm. don't talk about it. Absolutely. Right. Then it, it won't, the issues won't and, move forward. And I want to stay optimistic. And I want to uh-huh. say that, yes, there's an older, elder, gen, older, gen, I'll say older generation, yeah, um, of Caucasian Canadians, right, who have who have this mm-hmm. ideology, right, and, and it's and it's and it was between their generation that a lot of these things happened, right, right. But as we get older, mm-hmm. we replace them. Yep. And if we carry these these views, mm-hmm. then we're going to be applying them. Absolutely. So that's me being optimistic. Of course. Right? Yeah. And so we need to acknowledge these things that are happening now to this generation and moving forward. And I think there could be change, like I positive agree. change. I think um, to, to build on that, uh, I think approaching problems from multiple levels, mm-hmm. right, is extremely essential, right? Um, like like a, a lot of people say that, you know, these protests and rallies are inefficient. Mm-hmm. They say that they're not going to change people's minds. Right. There's no effect, like after yeah, effect. Yeah, they say that there's no after effect. Yeah. Right. Because they're like, oh, you're just yelling and screaming at each other. Mm-hmm. You're just being violent. That's not productive. You need to sit down and have a discussion. Mm-hmm. Right. Why can't you do both? Right. That's why these sides exist with all these diverse amounts of people, both like all political spectrums, all religious mm-hmm. beliefs. Right. They have all these different types of people that can bring different things to the table. And like discussions between sides have to happen on all levels, whether it be on the streets of Toronto or whether it be in the uh, city hall. In city hall. Right. In a lecture hall, whether it be on the street, on the subway, 
right? These are all different discussions that are necessary to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, although the system may not be built for certain individuals, mm-hmm. right? That doesn't mean that we abandon the system completely because we still need victories that. within the system, right? I agree with In that. In addition to grassroots, which is extremely, you know, important. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, for example, I don't know more, right? If I'm, a, if I'm going to talk about them and, you know, uh, reference back to the indigenous uh, people. Um, the demonstration they did in Young and Dundas, they shut down the street. When was that? Uh, this was a year ago. Okay. Um, I think it was in December of last year. Mm-hmm. And they there was such a sheer number of indigenous um, people and allies, right? And they, they filled Young and Dundas and they shut it down in the middle of the day, right? So I was there with my camera. And traffic and like this is like right in front of the eaton center you know what that I'm talking intersection about? Yes. Yeah, 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 like, yeah yeah like that intersection. that forever 21 adidas yes, that one yeah okay, i have okay, okay. images of people right if, if you're open to it please do share so we can kind of put it on our website and stuff absolutely, like that yeah, yeah absolutely it's all on my instagram like i'll send it to you mm-hmm. um it's on my website and so they, there was this circle of um you know dancing and singing and everyone had drums and there was two circles there was one around uh the intersection and there was one in the middle um, and there was some elders and respected folks who were, you know, singing these songs and they were being their drums. And there was just all this traffic. I, there, I remember there was a cement truck, right? And cement trucks can't do U-turns easily. <laughs> and right, so yeah. this guy was there and he's just like honking his horn, right? And then slowly the police... That's great because it's bringing more awareness. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the police had to filter out all the traffic, right? All the cars had to move out. Um, and I was there. There was some other media outlets there. And because this is I don't know more, these guys are a little bit more um, direct and I guess you, some would say radical, quote unquote, with their approaches, right? But th- like I understand the reason why they're out there, right? I'm not going to say to an I don't know more organizer that this is unproductive, right? Because there's people in the institutions that are advocating for indigenous folks, but we also need people on the street who are willing to put themselves out there for these causes and I respect that that's one thing I've learned right because it's very easy to just sit back and and say oh no like don't go to a rally right don't don't wear all black to you know confront these white supremacists you need to debate them on a stage mm-hmm. right this is part of a broader movement you can do both but anyway so to go back to that they shut down the entire street um, they even kicked CBC actually out right because CBC is Canadian Broadcasting yeah, right yeah. Um, and I, I remember very vividly because I was there in the middle of a circle I got some very intimate shots um, and the CBC camera guy was there and there was a reporter there as well and you know my first thought was this is great this is a huge media outlet that's here and I was thinking that in my head right but a lot of the elders they were pointing to CBC and they were pointing their fingers away right they were like telling them to leave the circle without interrupting their song or anything they're just saying they're shaking their heads and saying get out yeah right and then CBC was like a little bit confused like wait what you don't want us here yeah, yeah right and so the reporter left the cameraman stayed and then they actually needed uh they called over some men and then they they took over they they moved the cameraman out right and so it was just uh me and then a few other student photographers i'm not sure for what publications but these, these were probably like grassroots publications um and we were just there and we were photographing and then after all the singing was done and everybody was linked arms right like this was absolutely crazy because you view these environments like Young and Dundas, you have these premonitions of what they're supposed to be like. You know what I mean? You imagine it as super bustling and busy. You only see it when it's filled with people. You only see it as an intersection. But these people, they tr- these people, I don't know more, these amazing organizers, they transform this space into community, into singing and dancing. It's it, strength in numbers, man. Absolutely. And it, it really reframes this Western perspective we have of ownership. 
You know what I mean? Because uh, in the indigenous ways of knowing, you view the land as like, uh, you know, sacred space, as a sacred space, as something that, you know, doesn't need to be industrialized. Right. And so they took over the space. Right. As it is their own. And they used it for their own celebrations. And then they went into the Eaton Center. That was the that, that also got me shook because I we're in Toronto. We go to the Eaton Center to shop to chill, right? Yeah, because we're all stuck in this capitalist society. Exactly, right? And and we don't think <laughs> yeah. we don't think that malls are a place where you can do activism. Yeah. Right? But I don't know more. After their celebration was done, they got their drums, they kept singing, and they walked into the Eaton Center in a huge line in this amazing celebration of dance. Right? And like they, they were walking through the halls, and I'm just like sprinting, right? Because like, and this was like one of my first protests. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I was crazy because I was like, do I want to stay in the front? Do I want to stay in the middle? Yeah. Like, what if they stop them? Yeah. Right? And these are all things that are running through your mind. Yeah. Right? When, and, Luckily, I had upgraded my cameras, uh, and, like, you know, I'm shooting, like, 12 frames per second. Like, yeah, I'm absolutely yeah. blessed to say that. Like, when I was in grade 9 and I bought that camera, I didn't think I would have this equipment, <laughs> yo. <laughs> Sometimes I look over it, and I'm like, I am so blessed. We went a long way. Yeah, we went a long way. <laughs> but um, absolutely crazy. I um, There was one of the elders was singing, and the security head of Eaton came out. Um, right, so the, the security guards are all trying to stop the crowd from moving, and the the security head came out, and he was just trying to talk. He was trying to talk to her face, right? Mm-hmm. He was like barking at her to stop. Mm-hmm. As soon as I showed up with my camera, this guy started smiling because he knows that I was taking pictures. So you like you visually saw yeah, that? I visually saw like Wallahi, like his entire expression changed, right? Because yeah. he was like, oh, now I gotta start acting like, you know, as dignified individual because he's, I'm being documented. Because I'm being documented, right? And that's when I realized I was like, wow, like all these perceptions of how things should be are being shattered right in front of me right and like the elders kept singing um these security guards were like telling people to move to the side um but it was absolutely wild and this was like right near the christmas tree and that's where you can see all the levels of people were looking down and all the crowd was moving together and i was just there taking photos taking video um and it changed changed my idea of what norms should be you know what i mean like there's nothing that is normal anymore and if, if we don't challenge like this knowledge that we already have, then we're constricting ourselves to, you know, not growing. Yo, retweet. Right? Retweet. <laughs> Yo, that's deep, man. I totally believe in that. Yep. If we don't challenge what we've, we, we, what we are learning and what we have already learned, yep. where are we going to apply it? Absolutely. Where, how are we going to use it in Absolutely. this ever-growing world, yep. right? Modern world, this yep. technological capitalist world. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. how do we use it? How do we navigate? How do yeah. we find our inner balance? Mm-hmm. Right, like spirituality to me is a huge thing. Absolutely. Right, and so we're, if we're constantly getting like stabbed by the back in the, from the media saying, "Oh, like the newest laptop came out, mm-hmm. like yeah, the ni- nicest Get iPhone the twenty device, came out, follow like, this next trend." Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Then I'm losing my grounding. Absolutely. And this is like, you, be open to say that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's it's a fact of life. Absolutely. But it's about how you manage or balance that worldly aspect and that that esoteric aspect Mm -hmm. right of how what will happen and i'm a believer in the soul transcending Mm -hmm. the physical world has its own difficulties right but your soul will have difficulties reaching its own destination after so what are you doing in this physical life to make that route for your soul easier very interesting yeah right and and we have to balance between that and in 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 urdu we would say the balance between din and dunya Mm -hmm. Right, the mm-hmm. balance between your 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 everyday life, yep. and the balance between your worldly affairs. It's true. 
right? And how do you balance? True. So I, I agree with that. That's, I totally that's agree with that. a very good point. Um, I think it's it's central on that learning aspect, and you've touched on this, of mm-hmm. course, right? And it's like it's not look it's not localizing knowledge to certain places, right? So you sit in a lecture hall, right, and you're like, oh, I'm only doing this learning for the course right no it's greater than that it's greater than that these skills are transferable like work on that knowledge take that knowledge put it in your head and mold it into something new that you can apply into your life yeah. you know sometimes we're sitting in courses and we're just like oh my god where am I gonna apply this yes. like, <laughs> challenge yourself yes you're challenge yourself you think you can't apply that anywhere why don't you step outside the classroom and while you're reading that again see like all these things that are happening in the yep. world and find a way to apply it absolutely Right? Sometimes you get sick of, like, making excuses. Yeah, take an active approach. And it's really not that hard. It doesn't have to be something huge. Yeah. Right? Just It could, could be micro-level that can kind of exactly. translate itself. Exactly. Cool, man. That was dope. That was dope. <laughs> um, kind of moving frames, I kind of want to ask you what your thoughts are on fake news. Hmm. And, fa- and like, you know this enti- this new trend that started now as a journalist as yeah. i don't know if you'd consider yourself as a beginner journalist or just do, do you categorize yourself or you just consider yourself as an open journalist who does this thing well um i would call myself <coughs> sorry That's okay. uh, <laughs> i'm the managing editor of the underground yeah right so uh and i do do some writing mm-hmm. so i would say i'm a student journalist in that aspect but uh, outside of it, um, I would say I'm interested in photojournalism. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily call myself a photojournalist. I don't think I've earned that title yet. Um, That's cool that you put that on yourself. Like, Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I need to grow and I need to develop before I start calling myself something. There's so many people who I look up to photojournalists um, that you know do this for a job and they, they do absolutely amazing. That's what I want to aspire to be. It's not what yeah, I am. Yeah. yeah. That's dope. So what's your take on, on fake news and this entire new trend? I think there's like the, the, the millennial trend of fake news. Mm-hmm. And I think millennials have kind of pointed at it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it perhaps always was there. But when when kind of uh, DJT kind of took on his role mm-hmm. um, in the US, yeah. it was like, how do we kind of how do we kind of take him accountable? Right. Um, I think this idea of fake news like these these like created you know stories by these large government you know associations or authority figures Mm -hmm. this has always been happening right it's only our generation that was pointing it like you said we only labeling it as fake news yeah like these things were occurring and you know we only have the means now to really like combat this fake news Mm -hmm. um and so what are my views on fake news i feel like everyone lies (laughs) lies <laughs> mm-hmm. right everyone I, I think it's yeah. i think that's that's very prevalent in political um spheres yeah. because because you want to capture the attention of of a lot of audience mm-hmm. to to get into power right and so you kind of have to which i i hate man i hate <laughs> I, I really don't like that like i i yeah. really don't like that but sometimes they have to say and modify the things that they say or even yeah. sometimes the things that they believe in of course they might have like a strong belief but they might have to modify that just to like capture an audience and i feel like that was used tremendously by djt like to be honest i don't feel like like this might be an unpopular opinion but i don't feel like djt growing up was like this like i feel Mm -hmm. like he the power literally ate him up right and created this new djt of like just ha ha i have everything (laughs) right do you know what i mean i don't know i don't know it it might be an unpopular opinion people might argue that like Mm -hmm. nah this was his growing up like this is this is his like his parents this is his parents parents like ancestors Mm -hmm. this is just 
and his privilege that he carries, the fact that he's a male and he identifies as a man, like mm-hmm. there's so many things that you know, you know, the wealth, yeah, yeah absolutely. So, so, but I also sometimes, sometimes deep down, it's like not every human is evil. Like some, and the things power creep, power kind of an egotism kind of corrupt fo- corrupt us. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like not everyone is evil. It's True. just that sometimes things that unfortunately mm-hmm. um and i was as i was talking about before the balance yeah the weighing scale kind of takes over right. one side takes over right. right and controls you right i feel like um a large part of this is the environment that you're in mm-hmm. right like you said like their upbringing of course but i think donald <laughs> djt <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> he he existed in this environment that promoted these behaviors right he existed within this capitalist system like we said but as a businessman right as a son of like a, you know business mogul i'm sure from a family like mm-hmm. this is a lot of old money right um you know moving up in the real estate like as much as he did fail right and i'm i'm definitely not a fan like i'm not going to take a center line on him right i'm not a fan of djt mm-hmm. right i'm not but, either okay like, exactly it's like He's ridiculous. Absolutely. Like, yeah. But I, I feel like he was in so many environments that were like, yes, be cutthroat, right? Like, say exactly what's on your mind. And yes, like, butter people up and manipulate them. And this will reward you, mm-hmm. right? It's only now at the end of this entire process where he's been socialized to be this, like, cutthroat, like, belligerent, ignorant kind of guy, yeah. right? Now he's in a position where people have different expectations of him now, right? Although that he's, f- he's familiar with the feeling of authority. Yeah that he would feel in a business, in a boardroom versus now in the Oval Office. Now people have different expectations of him that, oh wait, no, we don't expect you to be cutthroat because politicians are supposed to be for the people. Yeah. They're supposed to be by the people. They're supposed to be for everyone. They're supposed to be equitable. They're supposed to be this, that, right? But he is become so rigid in the way that he's socialized that he, it's not even in his capacity, I don't think, to be to be able to, you know, be appealing to all people because that's just not who he is I anymore. also find, I also think that he's found his niche, like his yeah. niche of people. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, everyone who might be masking themselves in the past with other presidents, like, I want to say, uh, B.O., mm-hmm. right? So, like, people probably masked themselves and they because they couldn't say the things that they wanted to say yeah right and this is because of a historical contemporary issue that's been going on for absolutely. years absolutely do you know what i mean yeah so when, when when a black president comes into role mm-hmm. then it's like you gotta ha- mask yourself and kind of be like no nah, i can't say certain things yeah otherwise because the mass majority i'll get attacked yeah and people kind of like looked at each other but they were all wearing masks so do you know what i mean yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. how I, that's how i get the visual <laughs> and as soon as djt comes into role people are like no nah! because he normalized it yeah right and this is actually one of the things that i'm interested in researching i have this idea of social anchors right and these are the things these are the social rules that we perceive as you know creating this framework Mm -hmm. of what can be talked about like the pedagogy right like what what is acceptable by society right but leaders when they come into power they're able to or authority figures they're able to adjust these social anchors right and people can adjust their comfort levels um, in response to that. So like people from these minority groups that might be feeling, you know, marginalized by the things that he say, they're, um, they're outside of these social anchors now. And unfortunately, like these people with these uncomfortable opinions with these, you know, ignorant views are now have become the normal. Right. But, but that doesn't mean, like we said before, the, mm-hmm. the normal doesn't have to stay the normal. Yeah. And the normal 100%. hasn't always been the normal. Yeah. Right. So unfortunately this like, this is, just a pocket of time in like I think normal is just something that's moral what was that normal is something that's moral do you think so it's something that that, that, something that's moral like like Mm -hmm. something that that again like I don't know it's difficult to explain but like something that like 
there's too much to this. Like, I don't know how to explain. So, like, so there's like the universal morals. Yeah, like right, like universal values, and right. do you know what I mean? That's that's what's normal. Like, be kind to one another. Right. That's normal. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. So meanwhile, and then there's like the the social level, and right? Then there's the a social normal. You have to, yeah. Right. Yeah. So so I don't know, but again. I, I consider myself as a, like a spiritual being. Like I, I look Fair. into these things and I, I try to find my own meaning instead of going to the societal meaning and kind of being like, this is how I'm going to be as a person. Mm-hmm. Screw what the societal norm wants. Yeah. I'm going to do whatever I think is morally right, right and the values that I follow and that have been passed on to me. I will cherish those and continue on move forward. Right. I only have a short life to live. A hundred... God bless if I live a hundred <laughs> years. Like, God bless. Like, salute. Um, but like what? Like 76 to 80 years is like the average age. Mm-hmm. If I live that, that's it, man. That's yeah. that's all I got. Like, it's do you know true. what I mean? Like, what's the point of doing, talking smack, talking shit? If you know what I mean, what's the point? Right. If I only have an idiot, I'm trying to do everything for me that best, like, everything that's there to like best, kind of make me into the best person that I can possibly mm-hmm. be, and where I can kind of like when I die, my soul's happy. It's continuing. We live in life's good, right? And yeah. so like. But again, people don't have those views. They want to make the most out of their 80 years. Of course. Right? Right? So and like, like, so you know, like, it's not necessarily a bad thing for people wanting to succeed uh, in this life. Either. 100%, like, 100%. I understand it. Like, live your best life. Yeah. This, this life and the next. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> word. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Um, but co- coming coming back to like that fake sure. news, like, so do you, you think it's a good thing that now fake news is a concept that, that we're pointing out misleading facts mm-hmm. and and uh, did you hear about the cnn how like whenever the spokesperson of the oval office talks uh, after like donald trump has a meeting when the spokesperson comes out mm-hmm. cnn has a box beside the spokesperson that has actual facts oh did you hear about that i did not so yeah so i saw it on twitter okay and someone took a screenshot and basically what happens is that cnn mm-hmm. puts puts actual facts like live facts like live facts okay. while she's talking wow right so i saw this on twitter and i was like this is damn good like cnn is is smart it is because they they do that like snopes and um cnn and different fact checking like sources Mm -hmm. not to say cnn's a fact checking source but anyways like yeah yeah they um do like the live facts like during debates right i don't know if you've seen that i haven't seen that right okay yeah i i watched some like i was watching the recent debates like online and they had a feed running side by side where people were live fact checking being like this was false <laughs> this was true that's so sad right i know <laughs> right but it's it's the way to stay informed right yeah because we can't just and hold people accountable like you're like yeah. stop talking shit like yeah you know what I mean? like, <laughs> it, like what you're saying is you're lying right 100 um, i agree with you um so i i, I think fact check like holding misleading facts um to 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 what they are mm-hmm. is good I, I think fact fact checking is a good thing yeah um it's unfortunate that we have come to a period where we have to use it i know but yeah since we are there it's good that it's there because i think it holds people in power accountable Absolutely. Now, i don't know if that accountability is working um <laughs> um but i hope as time goes on that accountability works and kind of these people realize what they're doing and stuff but i don't know i mean it's a process i, it's I a feel process. like i feel like it's not just like an end solution like the circle have, of life exactly oh my god are you excited for lion continual. king of course yeah. <laughs> i'm so excited for lion king i'm actually so excited um i think one of the most excited um voices that i'm excited to hear mm-hmm. are uh donald glover obviously of course um Beyonce like sh- unpopular opinion like I- I'm not like I hear Beyonce's voice like all the time so it's like <laughs> I think she's gonna obviously have like a sexy Nala voice like it's yeah, just yeah. gonna be Zazu John Oliver right oh I'm excited wow. yeah, yeah I'm 
I'm you know, very excited I have, for Zazu. I have an unpopular opinion as well. Oh, what is I it? haven't even watched the trailer. Honestly, th- why does it, why does it guys be that unpopular opinion? <laughs> Maybe you're waiting to see the real thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, honestly, like I don't know. I've just seen it uh, like on my feed and stuff. Yeah, and like I was the poster. Like, yeah, I was like, this looks nice. Yeah, I just haven't gotten around. It's a to cute line. It. It's like a cute baby Simba. Do you yeah. Know what I mean? yeah. <laughs> but I wonder how these people do it. Like FX is like amazing. No, like, it is making like it seem like they're real, real freaking animals doing yeah. all this and saying all this. It's ridiculous. And again, tech is like growing AI like mass. Um, face recognition stuff like that it's a you good can... time to be alive man honestly so let's get to another fun question sure. I, I, think let's, I think we've talked about enough serious ones sure. and I think I think this would be really really <laughs> cool to just learn about you for instance what sure. ridiculous thing has someone tricked you into doing or believing Ooh. oh man you can think about it I mean like when I was looking at this question I was like I don't know where this conversation was going to go in the first place. Do you know what I mean? Like, like this can either go like a serious way or a funny way. I think journalism is a serious topic in respect to like the things that s- journalists do. Yeah. And I think, I think this is kind of off topic, but I want to talk about Hassan Minaj okay. and, and, and his new show, uh, Patriot Act. Have you seen? No. Okay. So Patriot Act is a comedy show that puts real life events mm-hmm. into a showcase to educate its audience, right. but in a comedic way. Right. So Hassan Minaj is, is a comedian. Of course. Right? Yeah. And he came from The Daily Show. Mm-hmm. Before that, he did um, commercials for Pizza Hut. You know about <laughs> this, right? So, so, yeah. so he's come a long way. Mm-hmm. And now he's a comedian, but who spits actual truth. Like, of course. And he does. He has a research team and all that. And he... Yep. Um, it sounds a little bit like uh, Stephen Colbert, but it's like a different... Uh, it's a different platform. Take. And yeah, plus, yeah. it's done by a brown person. Of course. Uh, there's of course. no other... Literally no other... To my knowledge, no other <laughs> brown person yeah. who's who's at the level that Hassan Minaj is is now at right now, yeah. Um, talking about real issues like Saudi Arabia and oil and mm-hmm. Supreme and stuff mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. um, and using comedy yep. as a way to do it. Yep, and it's like it's it's not, it's like it's like a person of color who's not being tokenized, right? Like they're they're behaving and they're acting and they're talking about issues that are like relevant to quote unquote everyone, mm-hmm. right? And they're being relatable and it's it's like getting the masses to be like, oh, hey, people of color are also- Funny. You know, funny. Like, let's just start there. <laughs> yeah. Like, just funny. <laughs> and then they can talk about the they're other things. They're also normal. They're yeah. like, also all these other things. And it's a beautiful yeah. thing. Like, of course, we're like two, like, you know, South Asian men, yeah. right? And it's, it's just empowering yeah. to see people of color who, who you know, are not tokenized, who are doing amazing things. Yeah, well, yeah. God knows, if, like, he's not tokenized. Like, I hope he's not tokenized. Yeah. But I'm prob- I'm pretty sure that he's getting his, old, his own smack by others and stuff like that. Yeah. Even, like, I want to talk about um, Trevor Nova, mm-hmm. right? Tre- Trevor Nova is, is yeah. he's, he's a South African. Yep. Right? But he made it to the American com- comedian sphere. Sphere, yeah. Right? And he's doing a pretty good job using it as a platform to kind of advocate for social life issues mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and using comedy to as a way to do it so I'm sure he's inspiring a lot of Africans um, who want to kind of use comedy as a way to kind of Absolutely. be on that platform role models yeah. there, coming yeah. back into this issue uh, this, this question though I really sure. want to know what, oh, ridi- what uh, ridiculous thing has someone tricked you into doing can I have a context to it? No, just <laughs> could, you, could, you, you could create the context I'll let you create the context like has has anyone really like like a ridiculous thing that you have done because someone tricked you into doing it this could be funny. This could be oh, serious. Man. Whatever, man. I don't know. I gotta think, right? And I, I just want to. I just want to like, laugh about your embarrassment. Like I just <laughs> <laughs> It was a gullible moment for you, but it could be a point of laughter for me and the listeners. Um. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't know. I'll, I'll tell you mine, but sure. 
uh, when I was in elementary school, it was a topic of topic of how babies are made, mm-hmm. and like, this is pretty embarrassing. Okay. But I thought like in order to have like if for in order for a male and female to have a baby, mm-hmm. like you had to have intercourse for an entire night. Oh God! <laughs> like instead of instead of like a one time, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I, when I was growing up, I I went to sex ed in like grade seven and eight, mm-hmm. and that's when I learned that like it's just like a one time thing, and then you move on. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so like I'm telling people like, yo, like I don't know if I want to have babies or whatever. Like, <laughs> it's you know, too yeah. too long, yeah, too, too long, too long a process. <laughs> I don't think I can. I don't think I can do it. Like, <laughs> so oh, like man. someone told me that, and it stuck with me, and I was I was telling others, and they were just like, yo, you're stupid, like. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a, that's a really I don't know that's a ridiculous thing that someone told me and tricked me into believing. True. That was oh annoying. man, I'm trying to think hard about this, yo. You're thinking I've too probably hard. suppressed. I've probably suppressed all these memories. Yeah. Like oh, I, good. I can't I can't good. access them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Let's switch up the questions. Yeah, What's yeah, the most yeah. interesting thing that you've read or seen this week? This week. Um So this is actually relating back to oh. Hmm. Oh man, I've really just been studying for exams. I feel like I'm tanking these questions, but that's uh, fine. Something <laughs> something interesting that you've kind of read and that's kind of just been like, hmm, interesting. Like that's really been happening. So, um, like I said, I'm interested in psychology, and um, for my, you know, for fun reading. Yeah, yeah. Um, I read psychology relevant books as well, and so there's this book about prejudice in psychology, mm-hmm. and it was about these like stereotypes, um, and so they did an experiment. Where, for example, like, so we have stereotypes and for, like, uh, Asian people are expected to be better at math. Yeah. Right? That's a stereotype. It's a positive, quote-unquote, stereotype yeah. that people have. And so it was found that Asian women, and, oh, yeah, and so the, there's a stereotype that, like, women are less good at math. Yeah. Right? And so when the stereotype was brought up that of their, um, you know, their Asian uh, identity and their female identity, when the stereotype was brought to the forefront, yeah. they actually performed worse. Oh. Yeah. And so it's interesting. This is called a stereotype threat, right? When when that part of your identity, when the stereotype comes to a test. Yeah. Um, so these people will actually perform worse. And so, it, so we think about, I don't know, like uh, people who are in the forefront, uh, minorities. Yeah. Right? And... Or, or we're in situations where we're the only minority and that aspect of ourselves, like our skin color becomes something that's very, uh, you know, prevalent to everyone. Yeah. That becomes almost like the way that you get noticed, the way that you're unique. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. So, you know, it begs the question, like, is putting yourself in these situations, like, actually worse for your performance? You know what I mean? Like, like when when someone does a meeting and then they say oh let's do diversity outreach and they call one colored person in yeah. is that colored person really in you know the state of mind are they really at their top performance right like this this situation kind of you know although it was brought about with good intentions to include a different voice we're actually disadvantaging them by putting them on the spot because of their color right so it's it's not just about including people like as one one drop of milk in the chai right like we need to create like an environment that is safe right and that is accepting of all sorts of opinions so that even when these people of color come to the table they can express their opinions freely yeah right and effectively and they don't experience that stereotype threat. i think it's cool that you brought up like bringing in like or having like a diversity quota i think that's so problematic yeah but that's to another conversation (laughs) but that's that's actually really cool and you just read up on that like while you were reading psychology yeah like nerd uh, Nerd. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm, just I'm kidding. embracing. That. Yeah, embrace it. No, hell yeah, embrace <laughs> it. Embrace it. Wow. Okay. 
So we've talked about a lot of things, man. And 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 this kind of last question that I kind of have for you, and and it's I think it could be beneficial for the listeners is, mm. you're an aspiring journalist, and I think I think you're doing a very good job. Uh, photo journal. You're interested in photojournalism, correct? Right? Because again, you good, keep good your catch. own um, yeah. in your own heights. But what advice do you have for perhaps someone who's with a camera who wants to do these but is afraid of doing it? Right? Is afraid of going in the streets and kind of just be like, "What if something happens to me?" Absolutely. Right. So, what what advice or tip or trick can you give to them? It, they could either be in photography or journalism. Doesn't of have course. to be both. Of course. To help them kind of like reach that goal if they're listening. Absolutely. Um, I think. A large part of photography is like it's it's not just an art form where you're you know pressing a button and capturing a scene yeah right like this is like a state of mind that you're in when you're capturing you know thing like actual events that are taking place like through journalism so I would suggest like the first thing you do is like don't focus on getting the shot right you need to observe with your eyes first right because mm-hmm. you use your eyes to take the pictures yeah right the camera's a tool it doesn't take the it doesn't make the photos good you make the photos good yeah right and so the first thing is to just be aware of these dynamics of where is it safe for me to step and where is it not right where is it safe to stand like what would that also mean like knowing what you're getting into like studying what you're getting into prior to just getting into it like absolutely. blindfolded yeah like come come into this with some sort of knowledge because you'll be more informed of people's actions right yeah. because you're no longer just um, an onlooker you are going to be part of that environment although you're not in there politically you are still physically part of that environment um and i would suggest yeah just keep your camera but and keep your camera ready and uh, always remember that you have to take the photo before the action happens mm-hmm. not necessarily after it right there's been millions of times when i'm looking through my viewfinder of my camera and i'll see someone like punch someone else and then i'll see that happen through my viewfinder and then by reaction i'll press my press the shutter mm-hmm. afterwards right uh, so my eye saw it but my finger missed it yeah right so i've learned to be able to predict these behaviors right to find problematic individuals i guess that that's almost but that also comes with experience right the more exposure yeah. that you have the more you recognize the exactly. scenery the behavior of people's yep. and kind of like how they're going to act and what they, they're going to do next yep um so, so wow so yeah observe that's wow. the number one thing observe with your eyes and then with your cameras because your camera is an extension of you that's deep, man. There you go. That's deep. <laughs> wow. And I think that's the perfect way to end it. So perfect. Ev- so on every episode, whenever we end, there's one thing that we always say, and it's never say no to opportunities because that one yes can potentially change your life. That being said, I want to say thank you to Ali Javid for coming out and, for and kind me. of speaking with the Elor and the Elor community. Um, I want to say that these episodes are, con- are now going to begin every week, and I'm really excited to that. So stay tuned on our Instagram. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud. At the same time, Ali Javid, spit your social media. All right. Uh, on Instagram, I'm ali.m.javid. And this is going to be all on the website. Perfect. My website's alijphotos.com. And, uh, Check him out. Check him yeah. out. If you have any questions on, on photography or journalism, he'd be open to kind of having Absolutely. that discussion with you and kind of like talking it further. That being said, only share positivity, love, and kind of create an environment where we're able to engage with one another and talk openly and creatively. Sure. All right. Until next time, peace and love. All right. Thanks, guys.